Welcome to Steelcast, Tart Steel UK's podcast about all things steel. But in this series, especially focusing on all things to do with climate change, net zero, and decarbonisation. My name's Tim Rutter, and it's my privilege to talk to a whole host of experts from within Tart Steel, as well as those representing our communities, our customers, topic specialists, and industry peers. So welcome to the second part of our look back at the Tart Steel and Constructing Excellence Construction Summit 2023. In the last episode, we heard from some of the speakers at the conference, which was themed around net zero, skills and people, and supply chain collaboration. We catch up with some more speakers in today's podcast, as well as getting a view on construction beyond 2030. We wrap up our review by talking to Tata Steel UK's Chief Commercial Officer, Anil Janji, and keynote speaker, Fergus Harridans, from the Department of Business and Trade. The next speakers we caught up with had been talking on the topic of who's going to do the work. Because while much of the discussion about net zero and sustainability talks about technology and collaboration, there's a growing realisation that it is the people joining the industry today and joining the industry tomorrow that will be the ones driving forward the net zero agenda. Here we hear from Caroline Key, Project Manager of Starspan Limited, and Mark Southgate, CEO from the Ministry of Building Innovation and Education. Okay, so we've just finished the third session at the Construction Summit 2023. This afternoon was all about people and skills, and I'm delighted to be joined by Mark and Caroline, two of the speakers in this afternoon session, uh, have just been on stage, you've just finished, and I'm, I'm delaying them for their coffee, but I'm delighted they've been able to join me. Um, Mark, if I can come to you first. So, so tell us a bit about your organisation and what you're trying to do with youngsters especially. Okay, so um, I'm from the Ministry of Building Innovation and Education, which is not a, a government department, it's a charity. Uh, we want to do two things. One, improve the quality of home building in the UK, try and make sure that it's uh, buildings are of better quality, better environmental standards, better performance, and most importantly, get young people into the built environment. So we're all about giving them those opportunities. Yeah, and that challenge of encouraging youngsters in the industry is massively important, and many of the other speakers spoke about it uh, uh, this afternoon, but it's a real challenge. You're coming up with some pretty innovative ways. Uh, it made me smile when you talked about your, your Design Future London, for example. Tell us a bit about how you came up with that idea and how effective it's been. Yeah, so basically we do two things. We do a bit of education but the, the main thing is doing young people's um, in, uh, challenges, young person's design challenges. Uh, you talk about Design Future London, that's now in its second year and that is all about uh, really opening up the, 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 um, the built environment to young Londoners, show them the range of roles available, ask them to just focus in on one part of London which is chosen and say how would you improve it uh, and very excitingly this year Minecraft have come on board um, so it, it's got a primary focus as well and actually you can engage primary school kids in the built environment because they've got direct experience in it, they live in homes towns, cities, so they, they've got views around it, they just need to be tapped into, so that's what we try and do, tap in get that interest and show them that actually it's a whole career if they want to take it in that yeah, area Yeah, power to your elbow. Caroline, I'm going to come to you briefly because you talked about your, your own experiences in the construction industry and the ups and downs that we all go through whatever career we choose um, but you've got a, a first hand insight into the construction industry and it's interesting to hear of your own experience, but when I as an outsider come here today, I see lots of women here today 
today. Mm -hmm. That industry must have changed even through your career, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just saying, um, when I first started out training, I was the, the only woman in training um, at the time. And it was it was difficult, because unless I had that kind of resilience to be able to, to fight back from some of the comments that were made at that time, um, I probably would have left. But thankfully, I'm a kind of strong enough character <laughs> to be able to, uh, to withstand that. But as the years have gone by, more and more females have come in. And I think that's by um, having different experiences and, and, and having opportunities there that isn't just, you know, you're a woman in construction, you have to go and work on site, you can't have children, you can't, you know, have that flexible time. And, and companies are a lot more um, open to that idea now and providing those opportunities um, yeah. to make it more inclusive. I was struck by one of the other speakers who said about his son was talking about going into construction <laughs> at school and the teacher said, but you're a bright kid, why would you want to go into construction? <laughs> and it struck me that a lot of what, what, what you and the panel have been talking about today is seems to be about how do we get youngsters of all sexes and genders and races into the built environment industry you would call it rather than the construction industry and that might be a branding issue um, but it struck me that that maybe you're talking about how to make them project managers and project engineers and architects and designers rather than maybe getting that mix of people into being laborers or plasterers or electricians or, or are we totally moving away from that with modern methods of construction and we're not really interested in getting people into the bottom end does that seem unfair um, I think I think there is um, th there's truth in what you're saying but there's a reason behind it there is so much marketing material out there and so much knowledge about um, trades in construction right. that we don't have to talk about it in the same way because everybody knows what a plumber does because they've seen seen a plumber come <laughs> yeah. to the house yeah. and fix a fix a leaky tap they know what a bricky does yeah. so there's not that same emphasis on it whereas the professional trades are the hidden trades so it's like when you right. build a building you know everybody sees it when you get to brickwork and it goes up and they go oh actually you know there's a new school happening in my area nobody sees the civils work the groundworks that goes underneath it but there's a lot that goes on in the background and it's almost the same with the professional um, side of construction is that it's the hidden hidden mm -hmm. bit that nobody um, has thought about yeah yeah you make a very good point there and I guess um, you know when we talk about the, the brand of construction you know we come from the steel industry and we are determined to try and make people perceive it as a technology industry because the amount of science behind it is exactly the same debate you must be having here how difficult is it to get people to think about the construction sector differently than as, you, as a colleague of yours on the panel said you know a white middle-aged man in a hard hat and a high-vis jacket how difficult is it well I think you've got to show that show the variety of people like Caroline who are in the industry and there's plenty of others so actually it's showing that the face the new face of construction and built environment that's one thing you were right as well actually you can get the kids involved you've then got to persuade the teachers and the, and the parents because their view of construction is very old so we just have to show you know we're going to have plasters and we're going to have plumbers and we're going to have electricians because we need those and you know we'll continue to do that but there's a whole new emerging part of the industry which is different which is digital which is manufacturing which is uh, which appeals to different people so there are examples of some of the how the new house builders have got 25 percent female workforce you wouldn't find that in your average building site no. they've done nothing other than just create conditions where actually those it's most females are capable of working there because they've probably got childcare facility you know um, responsibilities regular shift patterns so it's about it's not it's almost like construction isn't what you think it is yes. it, it's, it's telling them that actually it's a whole yeah. different industry nine percent of the uk work in the in the built environment wow. but nobody knows that it's as i say a hides in plain sight so we've got a responsibility to show them what goes behind making those buildings you know yeah. how all from the very beginning from design to deconstruction the other thing that you said that struck me was about how you inspire young people to get involved in an industry which has some preconceptions and you said once you start talking to them about uh, the potential 
or to improve the impact on the environment, the impact on society, their minds kind of change and say, actually, this is a this is a good place to be. This is somewhere I can contribute. It, it, you know, how important is it that? We, middle ages, you youngsters, um, but try to try to um, understand that that the youngsters of today live in a very different world. When I was growing up, it was like, how much money can I earn, or how big a house, or whatever. These days, children are much more saying, what can I do that helps the environment? What can I do to reduce energy? What can I do that's good for my friends and neighbours? And yeah. that must be quite tough. Yeah, well, I, but I think um, there's two direct things. They're obviously very concerned about climate change. They're the ones who are going to, have to live with the consequences of my generation and previous yeah. generations. So that anything they can do about that is, is really important and 40% of our carbon emissions come from the built environment so actually wow. if you want to get involved in an industry you can make a difference yeah. here's one and then we've all gone through COVID we've gone through lockdown we've experienced what worked really well about the built environment and places and what didn't yeah. and actually be able to go in and go actually those places which didn't how can we make those better how can we change those so actually everybody has access to clean air to green space you know facilities within a 15 minute walk because some people literally couldn't get to green space in the amount of time they had allocated in their hour so yeah. but some some people had on their doorsteps. There's a bit around. I think just awareness is better now, yeah. and we can seize on that opportunity today. Come and help us make it better. You have great ideas. Yeah. Join our industry. And Caroline, you kind of lived through this, haven't you? You know, and you've kind of been in the the highs and the lows. But what do you say to people? And you you're trying to encourage them to kind of follow you through your sort of similar career path or into the the built environment industry, as we'll start calling it. Uh, I mean, I would always say do it because it's just such a wonderful industry to work in. You know, I've met lifelong friends through the network. Work. Um, the, the, the amount of different experiences that are available are just the second to none and it's there, there is no day that's the same in this industry and you can transfer your skills to different jobs um, so it's not kind of about you're going to work in construction you're going to do the same job forever there's so much opportunity um, that I would say take it with both hands and run with it and see where it leads you I think the whole topic of people with skills is not something I might have expected from an industrial summit like this but it's clearly <laughs> massively important for the future of the industry and changing technologies and bringing you through. So delighted we had the session. Thanks ever so much for your inputs. I could talk to you all day. And, uh, you know, I'm going to reflect on a lot of what you said in our own industry, in the steel industry, because it's equally important there. But listen, I'm going to let you go and get a cup of coffee, but thanks very much for your time. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. It was fascinating to hear Mark and Caroline talk with such passion and enthusiasm for an industry which is facing so many issues. But what you will have detected was a determination and a passion to pass on an industry to the next generation that is making a difference, that is inclusive, and one that young people will aspire to be part of. As the construction summit drew to an end, the final session had a star-studded panel discussing the challenge of construction beyond 2030. We caught up afterwards with industry legend Keith Waller, Programme Director of the Construction Innovation Hub. So there we have it, the final session of the 2023 Construction Summit here, co-sponsored by Tata Steel and Constructing Excellence. It's been a fantastic debate. The last session was talking about construction beyond 2030 and uh, managed to grab uh, Keith Waller. Keith was on the panel there discussing it in front of the entire uh, audience today. Uh, Keith from Construction Innovation Hub. Uh, listen, thanks for taking a couple of minutes out. That was one hell of a discussion and, and for, for many of us in the audience it will have been 
almost quite shocking because the change that you were talking about on that panel that's got to happen in such a short period of time that's so holistic is kind of overwhelming. Is that how it feels from inside the industry? I think many people are overwhelmed by the amount of transformation that is required, but we have tried to set out a path. We don't have to make it all in one step. We don't have to make that one step overnight. What we are trying to do is say, if we want to deliver through the built environment, through construction, more for the economy, more for society, more for environment, we do need to change. And we do need to change quite fundamentally in what we build, how we build it, and how we make decisions. I'm really keen that the message um, that many people have played back to me has been heard about, we need to make decisions based on whole life value. We don't need to buy cheap. We don't need to focus just on the construction phase. We should be thinking about the whole life, about the outcomes we deliver. And that does require change. Scary amount of change, maybe, but necessary. Yeah. If we are to deliver the schools, the homes, the hospitals of the future, we can't do it by just repeating what we've done for the last hundred years. We need to have a path to transformation, to deliver more, to make our industry better performing, to make it more attractive to join, to keep people in it, keep that innovation, keep those skills, keep those competencies really coming in so we can deliver more for everyone in our society. And there does seem to be quite a bit of conflict in this discussion, doesn't it, between you know clients knowing what they want or knowing what to ask for and knowing what they're getting. But the discussion on stage, exactly as you were saying, was, was this whole life cycle and the end of life rather than the capital piece of construction, I think you described it as. What state is the sector in currently to be able to make that change that quickly? Well, I think we've got to think about what quick means. It's absolutely fundamental that we don't destroy the industry in trying to change it. We need to try and help the industry, enable the industry to make that transformation. One of the things I was taught when I was in the Treasury for a, one of the first things I was taught and a lesson I've taken with me everywhere is working out what to do is easy. Working out how to get it done is where the real skill lies. So it's about trying to define a path and bringing industry with us, helping clients to make better decisions. So the Construction Innovation Hub, we have set ourselves up not to be a market player. Our job is to be a market enabler, to help clients make better decisions, to help industry build the capability and capacity moving forward so we can deliver those better outcomes together. That's my mission. Yeah, and today you've been here for the whole summit, I think, Keith, yeah. and uh, you know, are days like this critical in building relationships, building networks, getting, getting some of those quite lively debates, to be honest, out there so that everyone gets on the same page? Important? Absolutely essential. And I think uh, Tata and, and Constructing Exodus have really pulled together, I think, a really great range of speakers and panellists, pulled together a great audience. And I think having this event together, uh, in person rather than virtually, has been a real, a real positive thing. The only critique I would have, if anything, is it should have been longer. There were <laughs> sessions we couldn't all go to. So the topics were well chosen, the speakers were well uh, organised, spoke really clearly, and the audience participation was, was fantastic throughout. Wholly recommended. If there's one next year, I'm here. <laughs> Excellent. And of course, we had the keynote speaker right at the beginning, Fergus, from the from the business um, department of government. There's got to be a major role for government, hasn't they, in moving forward to construction? Absolutely right. So there's government has two roles, I suppose, in this is firstly setting the policy and regulation. 
and then really convening all those clients, those individual clients who procure construction projects, Department for Education, Ministry of Justice, Department for Health and so on, to try and work together in a more joined up way to enable this transformation. Government is the largest single client of the industry. It needs to behave like a single client and help industry uh, to deliver better for it. Crucial role for government in setting the policy environment, the what, and then the how of how that is implemented by those individual clients and those individual projects. They have a central role. Yeah, so massive challenges there. You've been in the industry for a long time, I know. How confident are you? I'm 100% confident. And in fact, uh, you, you might say, well, you would say that. I, I've been in that transformation space for many years, that innovation space. This is the most confident I've felt because we've put the enabling environment there. We have the right policy environment. We have the right tools. We have the right processes established. And we've proven them that they are, firstly, can be done. And secondly, by doing them, it delivers better. So we're now into rollouts. We're not guessing whether it can be done. We now have to implement it. So the what's been done, which you could argue is the easy part we now move on to the how making it happen at pace and scale so we can really deliver yeah keith that's brilliant thanks ever so much for joining us and it's a pleasure to see you Excellent. and we'll see you at the next one absolutely thanks thank very much. much cheers although we only got a few minutes to talk to keith his positivity and confidence around a successful path forward for the construction industry is very clear to hear and that was reflected by all the people we spoke to on the day Big challenges, but big ideas and plenty of determination on show. And as people gathered for a final cup of tea with friends old and new before they left, we caught up with a couple of the keynote speakers. Firstly, Anil Janji, the Chief Commercial Officer for Tart Steel UK. And finally, Fergus Harridans, Deputy Director Infrastructure, Construction and Rail from the Department for Business and Trade. What's your reflections on the construction summit today, Anil? Amazing feedback. Uh, I'm, I've really thoroughly enjoyed the day. It has gone beyond, far beyond my expectations of when we planted the seed a year ago. Uh, it has surpassed all my expectations of what we have been able to achieve and discuss during the during the course of the day today. Now, construction is is one of our biggest and most valuable market sectors, but it's also hugely fragmented and it's got a huge amount of challenges, as we've heard today. How well is Tata Steel set up to adapt along with the construction sector? For us, as as I mentioned in the opening remark, our 60% turnover is from the construction uh, sector. So our employees, it's, it's a matter of realization of how closely interconnected we are. Our veins and arteries are all over the country across the various value chains. But the discussions in the summit today have been about uh, uh, the need for a holistic approach. You know, are we still in the world where we are making and selling steel? Or are we starting to lift our heads and say, we Tata Steel uh, can have an, an intelligent conversation and input to the discussions about buildings for diversity, uh, um, 
the built the whole built environment, skills and people. Do we have that holistic view of the construction sector and can we contribute to it? Very valid question. And how do we how do societies and how do manufacturing organizations or how do any organizations make progress? They make progress by bringing innovation, by being part of the innovation uh, work stream. And when any innovation happens in this country, we are first persons to be thought about. Look at the remarkable innovation which has again been awarded at several forums, the seismic, which you would have seen at this platform in Watford today at the BRE. Now that hasn't happened in one year. That whole planning has happened over a period of three years through cross-functional partnership. And the single partner they wanted was Tata Steel because they knew that we could provide that solution. I've had the privilege to go and visit the Forge, the Forge building, which is the first net zero construction in UK, probably in the world as well. When they wanted the steel from us, they went out just for steel from Tata Steel because we could offer the solutions what they wanted, very much in the modular way, the agile way, everything what we have talked about. So uh, we, you, you might, we might easily get digressed by saying we are just a product supplier, but I think we are innovative solution providers. And we need to build on that. We need to build on that competency. We don't have to hard sell our products. We need to be steering these kind of platforms where automatically where all these decision makers are involved, they think of any steel manufacturer, they think of Tata Steel. Yeah. Now lots of the conversations today were about climate change and net zero. You know, would it be unfair of the construction industry to say to you as commercial director of Tata Steel, the biggest thing you can do for this sector for climate change is to give us green steel? No, it's, it's not at all. It's the right ask. And my ask back to them today has been that you contribute, as, a, as all of us as construction industry, contribute so much to the GDP of the country. So I would request them, and that is what I've been propagating today, that I have requested them that please use all your connect with the government and send the message how important manufactured steel in this country is and how important net zero is for you and how important green steel is for you. And they have responded positively. They've taken the request back and, and they are willing to canvas with us. They're willing to lobby with us, with the government, to ensure that we get the support we, we really need. The kind of interactions we have had today, the returns of this will not happen in one week or one month. It will happen over a few years. But the network which we build upon, the associations I've made today and the interactions I've had with stakeholders and decision makers and influencers, they're going to go back and make sure that the government understands the need for supporting local manufactured steel and green steel. And that is what that is what we need as, as a steel company, besides making us capable enough to provide innovative solutions, we always want comrades who can go and canvas for us to be able to provide green steel for the community as well. That's right, friends and defenders. And I guess my last question for you, Anel, is sort of the emotional question about how optimistic are you for the future? Because there was a lot of challenges laid out today, weren't there, in terms of reaching net zero, in terms of collaboration through the supply chain, in terms of skills uh, and people coming into the industry. I mean, it's challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge, and the clock is ticking. How does that make you feel? Challenges provides us opportunities as well. 
there's no challenge what keeps you going so I'm not afraid of challenges it gives me a purpose to fight tomorrow wake up tomorrow and get going uh, and if I may summarize of how uh, these challenges actually what are we supposed to respond with we have to play a role in terms of skill set we have to prioritize uh, more diversity in construction space we have to also play a very active role in propagating and selling the innovative products along with our partners along with our JV partners in the construction space yeah. so, you so there's, there's, there's lots to do I actually go back more energized today and I think there's a bright future for us the kind of passion which was there in the room to make things happen by 2030 I think uh, uh, that itself ignites a lot of enthusiasm for me because we have to turn the wave of when when people say construction next year is going to decline there was so much of passion in the room to see that construction will actually go up and we need to be part of that journey Daniel, thank you very much for joining us. Have a, have a nice evening. We'll see you next year. Thank you very much, Tim. <laughs> thank you for the team for supporting us. Thank you. Fergus, you did the keynote speak this morning at the Construction Summit. Uh, what was your key message this morning to the audience? Uh, it was the really the importance of collaboration within the industry. If we're going to successfully adopt some of the innovations like product platforms, that we need to modernise the construction industry in order to make it much more productive, sustainable and deliver better quality outputs for its clients. Yeah, and you've, you've been here all day, and you've attended I have. some of the sessions. and. Uh, what are the key topics that people have been talking to you about through the day? I think people have been talking uh, about the importance of technology development, more investment in innovation and the commercialisation of new innovations, particularly digital and manufacturing technologies. A lot of people have been talking about skills and what new skills the industry needs to adopt to a adapt to a future where uh, much more work is undertaken off-site rather than on-site. In addition to that, how the business model of the industry needs to change to facilitate the changes that the industry needs to make. Yeah, yeah, and the last session, I don't know if you were able to join it, was about construction beyond 2030. Yes. And the challenges that are being set out are absolutely enormous, and it feels like that's going to be quite a stretch. How, how well do you think the construction industry is set up to change quite quickly, quite radically? is particularly well set up to change in terms of its structure or the skills that it has at the moment but you have to remember that this is a phenomenally flexible and adaptable industry it adapts to all sorts of changing circumstances all the time whether it's driven by weather uh, uh, other challenges that people encounter on site with late days disruptions of one, one type or another and as the industry proved during the COVID pandemic when it wants to it can innovate adapt and adopt those innovations incredibly quickly and incredibly efficiently. So provided we have clear objectives, we have a clear pathway for the industry to follow and we have the investment that the industry needs to modernise itself, I think it can change radically in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, and it's interesting in that last session, there was a very strong support for the policy environment for construction in the UK and arguably that's down to the government and the, and the 
civil service that's behind it. Um, what, how big a role does government, not only in setting the, the policy framework, but also actually is one of the biggest clients of construction? Well, overall, the public sector accounts for around about a third of all construction procurement in the UK. Everything from large infrastructure like HS2 through to new schools and hospitals, the social infrastructure the country depends on, but also we've been investing more money working in conjunction with local authorities in things like domestic retrofit, so very small scale developments and refurbishment projects. And I think the important thing is that government is procuring on a consistent basis and sending consistent messages to the industry about the need to adopt new technologies, make its operations more sustainable and saying that we want to focus on value and higher quality built assets over the long term. And how important are summits like this which brings the whole supply chain together, yeah, people from government as well, people from academia, how important are summits like this in taking the sector forward? I think they're very important because they facilitate the, the collaborations and the networks that the industry needs to adapt. This is a very complex and diverse sector and it does have a tendency to balkanise itself into lots of different occupations or specialisms. But actually for the industry to change it needs all of those different groups to come together, collaborate and work together in a more effective, cohesive way than they've traditionally been able to do. So summits like this play a really important role in building those relationships and facilitating those kind of value-adding collaborations. Yeah, and you're going to go back to government now. <laughs> what are you going to take back with you that's, that's new or different or challenges your perspective that you've heard today? Uh, I, I think it, it's been really good to see how many people share a very similar vision for the modernisation of the sector. And uh, not only that, but the same view about what the key component parts of this are. It is about digitisation, it is about um, the adoption of industrialised methods of construction, it is about greater investment in skills, and it's about changing the culture of the industry and the behaviours of some of the people who work within it in order to make it a, a better and more a better place to work, but also an industry that um, is more efficient at delivering what it delivers for all of its clients, public and private sector. Yeah, well, it's been fantastic to have you here as a keynote speaker. I'm delighted you took time out to talk to us today. No, thank and you. And hopefully, if we do another one next year, you'll come again and bring some colleagues yeah. with you. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Super. Thanks again. Thank you. So while these last two podcasts have been specifically focused on the challenges for the UK rather than the specific issues around decarbonising the UK steel industry, it's interesting to hear in a bit more detail about one sector's own challenges to get to net zero and the role steel and materials have in that journey, as well as the ever-increasingly accepted need for collaboration through supply chains to reach a common goal. I hope you enjoyed these last two episodes. Next week we're also looking at the construction industry but focusing on one specific project whose aims are right down the middle of the net zero and collaboration paths. It's a project also based at the building research establishment and one heavily involving Tata Steel. It's called the Seismic Demonstrator Project and we'll be talking all about it to Tata Steel's market and business development manager Alex Small who says the seismic project has been described as the Henry Ford moment for construction. Join us next time to find out why.